If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Matt Beck, Kyle Lynch, and today, I'm excited for this one, fellas, I'm not going to lie. There are, I say that no every episode is special, and that I treat no episode as a favorite. This is likely going to be one of my favorite episodes we do. We are talking about Lies of P, and I'm not going to lie, dear listener, if we had recorded this episode uh, two weeks ago... You'd probably be getting a significantly different review uh, than what you're going to get today, but it's you're getting a better review in all likelihood because, thankfully, a lot of things that were wrong with the game have been fixed for the most part. So, boys, let's just jump right in. Lies of P, the first really big release from NeoWiz, I believe a Korean developer, not sure North or South, I just know that they're a uh, Korean developer, I'm pretty sure at least, um, based on everything I've seen. Uh, first big release, it's a Souls-like that is essentially a reimagined retelling of the story of Pinocchio. And I'm not going to lie, guys, that that premise alone, when this game was revealed back, like, I want to say middle of last year, when this game was revealed, that premise alone was enough for me to be excited for it. I love my Souls games. Everyone knows how big of a FromSoft shill I am. I'm not going to hide from that anymore. I'm not going to run from that anymore. Um, but <laughs> that premise alone, and I want to know y'all's thoughts on that. I feel like that premise alone is enough to get you going because the story of Pinocchio is a really, really interesting story as a whole. And I feel like a lot of the liberties, I'll start with you, Kyle, and then Matt, you can go after him. I feel like a lot of the liberties they take with the story of Pinocchio, with how certain characters are used, I feel like this game knocks that out of the park across the board. 100% it does. I I thought that, you know, this game's aesthetic was fantastic. And one thing that really has to go with the setting is the characters. And the way that they were able to bring them to life in this game to really make me interested in their backstories. I, I was constantly coming back to characters to see if they had new dialogue. Because the way that this story was told was fantastic. And, you know, I was not really expecting there to be plot twists. Because there's, yeah. you know, in in the Souls games and the Souls likes, I mean, un unless you're reading like every bit of lore, you're not really expecting plot twists and, you know, those kinds of stories. But in this one, and there were multiple, I was like, wow, this game's story might be one of my favorites of the year. It shocked the hell out of me. Now, the difficulty is a completely different thing. <laughs> this game was hard as fuck. This is the hardest game I think I've ever played. Harder than Returnal. Finally, I have found the Platinum that was harder than Returnal. <laughs> this one beat it, for sure. And... For the people who got the Platinum pre-patch, I salute you because holy shit, I don't know how. This there were was, not many of them. Yeah. There I, were not many of them. You are in these the real 0.1% because holy shit. 
the fact that, you know, Rusty and I beat Andreas pre-patch is enough. I was, man, I was also kind of mad, though, that I just beat him, and then they patched it, and I was like, oh, cool, thanks, I just beat him, but that thanks was, for nerfing uh, him. That was some Radon energy right there. That was some Star Scourge Radon from Elden Ring energy right there of this super tough boss that has been a wall for several players. Oh, ho, ho, me and Kyle beat him, and then the next day he gets patched. Great. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt, kind of uh, telling off of that, you know, we've talked a lot about the atmosphere of the game. I'm going to stay on that opening topic oh, yeah. that I started with for you. Um, me and you have both said it. I think Kyle said it as well. Yeah. We're likely never getting a Bloodborne 2, but as a spiritual successor, this works yes. perfectly for that. Yes, and going back to one of the first reveals, I think that's immediately what caught my eye, not so much of the fact that they're taking an old story like, you know, Pinocchio. That You know, when you think Pinocchio, you think of the Disney movie, you think of all of that. But the fact that they took a, a grim, dark, goth horror style to Pinocchio is absolutely mind-bending. It's insane, and they pulled it off perfectly. Um, definitely a spiritual successor to Bloodborne. You just notice, like, those little things that the developers were possibly inspired by even just the sounds of the footsteps. It sounds just like the hunter walking on stone cobblestones. Um, the door opening straight out of Bloodborne. You cannot tell me that that is not at least like very reminiscent of it when you are opening one of the doors like a boss or something. Um, even the music is just perfect. You have sometimes it gets really, um, really fast, really you know in, intense, but then there's just moments where it's like just really soft, like when you're in a hotel crat. And I love the fact that they added the additional with the, the records because, you know, there's so much music in this game that I just wanted to, to listen to. So the fact that they threw that in there is, is fantastic. Like this, the atmosphere is just, it, it is stunning in every aspect of it from enemy design just to the characters of the, you know, all the beloved characters that we know from Pinocchio, Pinocchio himself, Geppetto, Sophia. It, it was fantastic. Yeah, I think that that's kind of my favorite part of the story. And Kyle, you touched on it really, really well. The fact that this is one of the best stories ever told in a Souls-like ever. I, I can only think of one other time where FromSoft had kind of this kind of direct storytelling. Um, and that's in Sekiro. Um, Sekiro is very, very direct storytelling. A lot like this is you kind of know a lot of what's going on. Characters kind of tell you what's going on. There's not a lot of mystery involved. There's plot twists, sure. But not a lot of mystery. Here, I feel like it's done even better because you're not just told everything. There's absolutely bits of information that are being held back by certain characters. There's absolutely certain characters that have their own agendas that you are more or less, you are a tool as a means to that end. You are you're essentially being used by certain, by certain characters at certain points. But... I think that the story really, really, they did a great job with the liberties they took. Uh, spoiler alert, because we are going to talk pretty heavy in-depth about the story itself. Um, one of my favorite personal liberties uh, that we've all seen now is how they implemented the whale in, from the story of Pinocchio. How it, they, they basically, you enter this submarine to go to the Alchemist's Island, and it's painted like a whale. And I love that. I love that that was kind of the liberty they took there was instead of including yeah. an actual whale that would not have fit the story whatsoever, they instead, you know, again, just kind of reimagined it as a submarine that you use to get to the Alchemist Isle, which I also liked because that's essentially a play on um, Pleasure Island, which yeah. we can debate on another episode that an island where you send small boys being called Pleasure Island, we can debate that on another episode. Because... <laughs> 
Carlo Pilati, that is your great, brilliant writer, but I will not speak ill of the dead, but that is really weird. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. It's, it's really weird. Um, but I, I, I also, I just, I love the voice acting in this game. I really do. The voice acting across the board is so good. I can't think of a weak performance from a main character that isn't a boss. And really, when I include the bosses, the only real weak voicing performance I thought was Champion Victor, and that's because he was probably a bottom three fight in the game for me. I did not like the Champion Victor fight that yeah. much at all. I thought it was way too easy, and I thought his talking was annoying as all shit. Yeah. Um, but the voice acting, like, man, the guy they got to do Geppetto. Fantastic. Epic performance. Epic performance. Absolutely loved it. You can kind of hear that this is a man that has all the best intentions of the in the world, but he's also kind of got some secrets that he's hiding. You know, you can tell there's he's not necessarily telling you everything that you need to know. And you know, you can kind of say the same thing about Sophia or Sophia, however they, they pronounce it both ways in the game, and it's kind of confusing. I'm not gonna lie. But Sophia is kind of the same way is that you feel like you can trust her. She's got that warmth to her voice that, you know, every Souls waifu has and everyone who's ever played a Souls game knows that the waifu is always who you level up with. So I don't need to explain that. Um, she's got kind of that calmness, that stillness to her voice that, that, you know, you feel like she's being honest with you, even if for certain sport story elements, she's not. So uh, were there any other characters that stuck out to y'all? I liked Alidoro as well. I know that you're not supposed to like him, but vo vocal performance-wise, I thought Alidoro was really good. Yeah, for me, I think the one of the characters that sticks out, just I, I love his accent. I, I don't know who's voicing him, but he did a fantastic job. Um, was the Lorenzini Vanini. I just love Vanini, hearing his Vanini, name. Vanini. Vanini. Yes. It is just, I love it. <laughs> Kyle, pronounce that name for me real quick. Vanini. There we go. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we weren't about to say something else. There we're good. All right. <laughs> Kyle, who, who, uh, who still got the you character-wise? Uh, to me, it was probably Pinocchio, because he didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> best voice acting in the game. Literally the best. The best protagonist <laughs> is a silent protagonist. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, I, I thought that everybody was great. Uh, I... Another thing I really want to praise in this game is the sound design. Ooh, yes. Everything yes. in this game sounded great. And I loved all of the little, you know, things here and there. Like, for example, if, you know, before you gain enough humanity points, if you do a dodge roll, you can actually hear, like, gears turning. But as you gain as you lie more and you gain more humanity points you won't hear that anymore when you dodge roll because you it's like you legitimately became human it's crazy it's such a tiny little you know easter egg but i thought that that was genius um no i agree i think yeah, it's awesome everything in this game sounded fantastic the sound design better be you know nominated at the game awards at least because that and the score, the score was amazing. I want that. I want the Lies of Peace soundtrack on Spotify because it is still, yeah. to the day of us recording this, is not on Spotify. And there are some bangers on those records. Yeah, absolutely, you were right about. Hey, also, we would also we would like that. We want the Armored Core Six soundtrack as well. Facts. We need them both on Spotify. For some reason, neither of them are available on Spotify just yet. But <laughs> uh, you're right in that the records that you collect 
Ooh, some of some of the records you correct you collect, man. The sounds, the 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 singing. It's just it's hauntingly beautiful. Is the way that I would describe it. Like you you feel like these are songs from like a bygone era that has come and gone in cry. Yeah. You feel like these are singers that are no longer. And obviously, you know, we know Adelina's you know quest line and how that ends up, but it you it you feels very accurate to the era they are trying to portray. And I love that. I love that they put so much attention to that detail. Now, gameplay. Before we hop in with the criticisms, I think Matt brought up, we brought up the point of it being a spiritual successor to Bloodborne. I think it's important right now for us to touch on just how many things from Bloodborne were ultimately taken and put into this game. Because, oh, yeah. You know, the 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 big thing that a lot of people will recognize is when you get hit while blocking, and obviously in Bloodborne you don't block, but that's a, diff, that's a different story. Uh, when you get, you get hit while blocking, unless you perform a perfect guard, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Trust me, we will get to that. Um, <laughs> when you get hit while blocking, you take chip damage, but you see there's a little part of your bar that's faded that if you attack more aggressive, you attack aggressively, you get in on your opponent, you do some damage, you can get that health back. It's basically the rally mechanic from Bloodborne. Now, in that same vein of being aggressive, when you run out of pulse cells, when they become discharged, as the game says, you can get a pulse cell back by dealing damage to your enemies. You also have this thing, these things called fable attacks. How do you charge up a fable bar? By attacking enemies. They Dude. took the aggressive nature of Bloodborne's combat, removed the guns, so Kyle lost all interest right there, um, <laughs> removed the guns, and basically just said, okay, we're, we're not going to have shields, we're not going to do the Dark Souls stuff and have shields, we're not going to be like Elden Ring and have shields, but what we're going to do is, if you play aggressive, if you're smart about it, if you're able to get in and deal damage, we'll allow you different ways to kind of turn a fight in your favor, because those Fable Arts which I love the addition of those in this game. I think the Fable Arts really, really take combat to the next level here. Because I think without those, it really is just Bloodborne's combat without the guns. And, you know, there's also the fact that you can stagger enemies. Very similar to Bloodborne. If you, you know, do a fully charged R2 from behind in Bloodborne, you would put them into a visceral state. You can do a visceral attack. They're called Fatal Blows here. We're probably going to call them visceral attacks multiple times in this episode, but you know what we're talking about now. I liked how much of the combat from Bloodborne they were clearly inspired by. And I get it. They don't hide those inspirations. It does, in some instances, kind of feel like ripping them off a little bit. But I feel like, Kyle, and you can tell me, I feel like there's enough new here to to justify all of the stuff they did take from Bloodborne and implement into this game. Yeah, I, I think that when looking at games that are clearly inspired by another, and we saw a bit big influx of these after Zelda Breath of the Wild came out, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're able to make it your own. And this game 100% took the Bloodborne formula, took a lot of things from Bloodborne, but at the same time was able to make it its own. And I think that that is something that 100% can be appreciated, whereas a clone would not have been, I think, as praised. Um, what, what first comes to mind is that game coming out uh, next year called Power World that's literally Pokemon with guns. That's a clone. Yeah. That is a... I don't know how they have not been sued by Nintendo because some of those Pokemon 
I mean, some of those, uh, some of those, I don't know what they're calling them, monsters, look exactly like Pokemon. That's a ripoff. Now, whether that game's going to be good or bad, I don't know, but right off the bat, I'm judging it because it's a clone. This game, while inspired by Bloodborne, is not a clone. This game is fantastic in the way that it uses, you know, its atmosphere to its advantage with its storytelling. Um... But also, like you said, the combat is very different because in this game, you're not so much parrying as you are, you know, trying to perfect block so that you can get, you know, them to stagger. Which, I, I don't know if that was a thing in Bloodborne, um, was the stagger? So staggering wasn't really a thing until Sekiro. Sekiro is okay. what introduced that, and that's kind of where I was leaning towards was... As we get into the perfect guard and we kind of start to dive into critique a little bit, because we'll be very real, there are very, very, very fair critiques about this game, especially pre-patch. Um, there, there's this game is kind of like combat-wise, the mix between Sekiro and Bloodborne. It's got the aggressiveness, the the fast-paced nature of Bloodborne, but the Legion arm, which we haven't even talked about, and I love the Legion arm as well. This these different arms that you can equip to do different abilities. There's the Flambeers that is basically just a flamethrower. There's the Fulminus, which is this electric spark that you can shoot out. The Aegis, which is a shield that explodes. There's Falcon Eyes, so there actually is a gun. So Kyle was fine. Um, and you know, amongst there's also you know there's the puppet string that essentially works as a grappling hook. That's kind of inspired by Sekiro's Shinobi prosthetic. It's very inspired by that. The only difference is, until you get to really New Game Plus, you're probably not equipping more than one Legion arm at a time. Because I think the first upgrade is in Phase 5 of the P-Organ, which, God, I'm just now realizing how much is in this game. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> but this is where my criticism begins. And I think that all three of us are on the same page with what I'm about to say. Especially pre-patch, but even now, the perfect guard window is way too strict. And I get it. These games are supposed to be hard. I love these games for that. They're rewarding in nature, and that's ultimately why I love them as much as I do. But especially pre-patch, this game was way too hard. And you had to play way too perfect in this game to get by certain bosses. Kyle and I mentioned we beat Archbishop Andreas, Arch, Archbishop Andreas. That's a mouthful now that I'm saying it out loud. Good Lord. Uh, we beat him before the patch. And he was enough of a wall for us. It took me probably 10 to 15 attempts. And Kyle, I know it took you a while. Matt, you didn't beat him until after the patch and dropped, which made him significantly easier. He's still pretty difficult, I can confirm, on a new game save file. He's still not an easy boss by any means. But I feel like the, the, overly, the overtly strictness or the overt strictness of the perfect guard timing, if it was a little bit of a looser window, I feel like this combat would be perfect and it wouldn't have needed any adjusting post-launch. But alas, that's not what happened, so therefore I'm criticizing it. And I know that you two would agree with that as well. Matt, let's also dive a little bit into uh, into this. The bosses at a certain point, two health bars is no longer a good mechanic, and at some point it becomes a gimmick. And Matt, we've seen this several times. Realistically, yeah. from Chapter 6 on... Every major boss that you run into, it's very likely that they have two health bars. Yep. 
and this this is one of the things that I do criticize for the game is just the I mean go ahead and make the first phase or just not have two phases but make that phase that you're gonna fight him just make it a little bit more difficult if need be give him more move sets or you know something like that but literally I feel so accomplished after I get through the first phase and then the second phase happens and then they're just way more you know aggressive and that's fine that's you know it's 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 cool whatever but it literally it was just boss after boss after boss now the only time for me that this worked was for king of puppets and romeo which is my favorite fight in this game but it only worked because it is literally two different fights it's not the same boss like you you just you kill off the king of puppets he breaks apart and you know the the, the true fight that you know it's going to kick your butt this time around romeo was fantastic and a good test of your of your dodging and your blocking. So I think the fact that it was, you know, they, they took that approach with it, I would have liked to have seen that more progressing forward with, with bosses that have two phases. Well, and I want to take that a step further because I mentioned yeah. Champion Victor earlier. I think from Chapter 6 on, he is the only main boss. No, the Corrupted mm -hmm. Parade Master as well. Corrupted Parade Master also does not have... When I see, say main boss, uh, just for clarity's sake, I mean bosses that are tied to a trophy or that are tied yeah. to an achievement. That's what I mean when I say main boss. Because obviously Walker of Illusions is not is a boss. Mandatory. You have to fight them, but there's no trophy tied to them. Um... I think those are the only two main bosses, though, are the Corrupted Parade Master and Champion Victor that don't have a second, or they don't have a second full health bar. Now they both have a very clear defined second phase to the fight, which I will praise both of those fights for because, hey, that's awesome. I would have much rather had that in several of these fights. Looking at you, Green Swamp Monster. Looking at you, Loxasia the Complete. Would have much rather had that where they're just a, there's a phase shift halfway through the bar instead of an entirely new health bar that somehow has more health than the first phase. I think at a certain point, that went from being a surprise to just being something that I expected. And it was more of a surprise when it didn't happen. And I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good at all. I think that at a certain point, when you wear a mechanic that thin, at a certain point, you're opening yourself up to trying to be too gimmicky almost. Or trying to, you're trying way too hard to be arbitrarily difficult, if that makes sense. Kyle. Something else that we discussed about the bosses that neither you nor I are a fan of. Two things within their attack patterns. One, all of them having super fucking delayed timing that is that would make the Nameless King from Dark Souls 3 blush. Uh, and the fact that all of them, I'm pretty sure all of them at some point do some kind of status effect. I don't like it that every boss seemingly just when you would figure out the timing would somehow delay it even more than usual and i didn't like it that typically all of them if they hit you did some kind of status ailment damage i think that at a certain point one or two bosses should do one of or both of those things and the rest should be their own thing i think that's where some of the bosses struggle especially in the late game agreed i think first of all on top of having a second health bar you know or a second phase with almost every fight it completely takes away the surprise factor because when you beat a boss you get excited and then it's like oh shit they have a second phase and i think that when you don't know it's coming it's a lot cooler but when i beat a boss that i'd never beat before and i'm like i bet he has a second phase it's not cool it's not fun uh but with every single one of them doing status effect damage 
you have to always have some of those um I can't ampoules. Remember. Yeah, some of the ampoules that clear it because it builds up so fast. And, you know, certain bosses like uh, Fuoco, who do overheat damage, they have this AoE attack where it will consistently do overheat damage to you the entire time uh, you're on it. And if you're already overheated, that damage gets amplified tenfold and will deplete your health bar so fast. I don't like when every single boss not only has a second phase and delayed attacks, but also on top of that does status effect damage. It felt way too stacked against me. And when they come out with their next game, I think I would like to see a lot less bosses have second phases and only a few of them do status effect damage. Because while the, the patch did balance a lot of this game, there's only so much you can do with a patch, and, you know, unfortunately we are stuck with, I think, these bosses' status effects with their second health bar. And that's one thing that make it, made it very frustrating for multiple playthroughs as well, was because I felt it, it was so grindy, knowing that, okay, after I get past Chapter 5... Starting with chapter 6 forward, I, every single boss I'm going to have to do two phases on. And, man, when I tell you I had to finish the game on New Game Plus 4 to get the Platinum because I goofed and didn't use a guide, and then I goofed again on my third playthrough and I chose one wrong decision and couldn't get it, I, I was feeling the hurt from those second phases. But I learned something about this game. Oh, we did indeed. And that something allowed me to beat Loxasia and Simon Manus on New Game my very first try. And that thing is throwables. Yeah, throwables in this game, that's a great segue, are fucking broken. They are broken to all hell. And Kyle, I remember when you told me to start using them? The first time I used them, I believe, was on the first Black Rabbit Brotherhood fight. And I made sure to say that and not the uh, faux pas that I had in the chat the other day. Um, the first time I used it on that, and I did that fight that took me two hours, and I did it on the first try with ease, I said, all right, the stride is very clear for the rest of the game, what I'm doing. Um, I yep. So much so that today... I, I platinumed the game on PlayStation, along with you, know, Kyle, you did as well. I want to give us a little bit of a shout-out there, a little bit of the pat on the back there. Hell yeah. Um, I've been doing a new game playthrough on Xbox, and I got to the Black Rabbit Brotherhood today. I don't have my P-Organ upgrades to where I can carry a ton of throwables. I didn't have my belt slots. I had very limited access to throwables, and the fight was still a joke with throwables. It was still a joke of a fight with throwables. I still did it first try without killing any of the other three members of the Black Rabbit Brotherhood. I just focused on the Elder, and I the fight was over in a minute. So, throwables are absolutely broken in this game. I like that there's a wide variety of them, whether it's the carcass body fluid, the thermite, the throwing cells, shot pullets, uh, cluster grenades, sharp pipes, saw blades. There's a lot of throwables in this game. 
And while some people would say that they wish that Neo Wizard maybe nerfed them a little bit, I disagree because I think that with that variety, I think they are overpowered for a reason. And I think Neo Wiz is testing you. Are you willing to win however it however it comes? Are you willing to win whatever it takes? Or are you going to be stubborn and use the tool and not use the tools they give you? If you choose to be stubborn, you're going to have a much harder time with the game. A much harder time with the game. So the last real criticism I have, and I hate that I'm about to say this, but there's a boss in New Game Plus that I have to I have to criticize because I thought every boss in New Game Plus was scaled fairly, had more health accordingly, because naturally you're still leveling up, you're doing more damage, you've got more health, you've got more at your disposal. Your disposal. I gotta be honest, I think that the Nameless Puppet fight in New Game Plus is one of the most unfair boss fights in video game history. And to be honest, I have no idea how I beat it on my second try in New Game Plus Plus. I have no idea how I beat it on my second try. I don't know. No, I know. Throwables. I know exactly how I did it. That's not true. But I think that for a boss to be that fast, have that delayed timings, shockingly enough, is like the only boss that doesn't do status effect damage in the late game. And to move as fast as it does, to do the damage it does, and to have the health that it does. It is absurd on New Game Plus how hard that fight is. I do not think that is a fair fight on New Game Plus. I loved it in New Game. In New Game, it was my favorite fight. I got to the end of the game, and I said that Nameless Puppet was my favorite fight in the entire game because it was very challenging, but it was very fair at the same time. Did a lot of damage, but he also took a fair amount of damage. You could also read his tells fairly quickly, and his speed didn't matter nearly as much because one combo wouldn't finish off your entire health bar. I had a health bar the size of a football field in New Game Plus. He did one combo. I was at 90% health, at least. He did one combo where he started on the other side of the arena. By the time the combo was over, I was out of health. And I was not very happy. I was a very unhappy boy. I was a real boy, unlike Pinocchio. But I was a very unhappy real boy. So I'm going to criticize the shit out of that and say, Neo is in your next game, which we will talk about, in your next game, your in-game fights need to be more fair. Because some of these were borderline bullshit. And I was not a huge fan of a lot of them until I finally learned the patterns and I became a little more understanding of them. So let's talk about a few things we haven't really discussed yet, fellas. We just went in a little hard with the critique, and I think justifiably so. But want to praise Neo is they did patch it. And that's a good thing. They saw the complaints. They saw the issues people were having. And they said, hey, we'll fix it. And I'm glad they did. I'm certainly glad they did because, Kyle... Matt, I texted you both. I got to lock Sasia and I said, I'm not beating this game because it did not seem possible. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but they patched it. And I think that we do need to give them a little bit of props that they responded. They saw the criticism and they addressed it accordingly. I'm a fan of that. There are other things I wish they would fix, but I'm glad that they at least took action and fixed what they did. Let's talk about the P organ because I think that is a really, really underrated part of this game, a really underrated uh kind of aspect of the gameplay is these passive buffs that you can get. And Kyle, we talked about it, especially when you get into Phase 5, Phase 6, Phase 7, and New Game Plus. Boy, you can make yourself really OP. 
Oh yeah, no kidding. I I was going through all of the, like the whole list of all the abilities you can get and you know, when I realized that a new game plus a new game plus plus there were more phases with more abilities, I couldn't believe it because I was like how is there still more? But you can really make your character OP. I actually finished out the entirety of my P organ in my last playthrough, and I I got every single ability I could. And my character is OP. Like, my pulse cells automatically recharge, my legion automatically recharges, anything I do charges up my fable. Um, all my attacks are buffed, my defense is super buffed. I started putting points into my level just because. Um, you can really spend a lot of time buffing your character which i really like because at the beginning of this game you feel very weak and on my playthrough that i'm on now i'm like damn i could i could go against any boss i have four times i've gone up against every boss and i i love the gradual progression that i felt the entire time and now looking back on you know when i first started this game when i got to Andreas and thought I wasn't going to beat the game. Here I am with the Platinum. Uh, I, I gotta say, you know, like you said, they deserve credit for patching it for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, this, this game was, this game was really hard. This game was the hardest game I think I've ever played. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that. Yep. And I agree. I, I think that the P organ, like the abilities you can get out of it, I, I will say there's a couple early on that I'm like, you know, this is stuff that is just normally in Souls games. Why do I have to? It's like the biggest one for me is the rising dodge. Like, you know, being able to just spam circle or spam B when you're on the ground to roll up and get out of the way of an incoming attack. Because I feel like too early or too often in the early game, you get punished if you get knocked down by a slam attack because an enemy can just keep slamming you over and over. Um but I think that the P organ, I feel like when you start to get into the deeper levels of it, being able to have more than just two amulets, being able to increase your fable bars, uh, your pulse cells, being able to heal you more and be more effective. There are things in this tree where you had to make some tough decisions at certain points. And it goes even deeper when you look at like the abilities. The way you unlocked each big ability was you unlocked two smaller abilities from a set of four different trees. And you would have to make some tough decisions. Do I carry more throwables? Do I deal more stagger damage from behind? Pause. Do I... <laughs> Damn it, that's going to get clipped. I love it. Um, do, do I make my perfect guard deal more uh, destruction damage to, to, you know, to enemy puppets? Like, I think that there are a lot of tough decisions that you have to make here. And I like that. I like that every, it feels like every skill set or every different path you could go down is viable. And I like that. Matt, uh, what were some of your other big positives with this game? I know for me, and I don't know if you want to talk about this some in depth, I love the weapon variety in this game. I thought the weapons were a massive plus in this game. Yep, I absolutely love the weapons. I love the fact that each boss, well, specific bosses had like their own ergo, just like in previous like type Souls games, where you beat the boss and you got like the special uh, item that gives you, you know, something like their weapon or something like their gear. Whereas this game, you get their weapon or like an amulet that's based off of them. So just like with that, I love that. But one thing that I want to praise the developers for doing here, and as someone who has played the majority of these types of games, is the placement of, you know, the stargazers towards the boss doors. Um, 
I think that that definitely is one of the reasons as to why I didn't get so frustrated that I just stopped playing altogether and just come back to it. It's it's so it's so uh, qual- was it like quality of life to me honestly that they placed them there because it's just a couple of walks away or it's that's not that far. You don't have to rush through a bunch of enemies that are just going to damage you and cause you to waste you know your uh, your your pulse cells here to heal. So they did a fantastic job there. I also like the fact that when you do die, if you do not collect your ergo, you don't lose all of it. You think you what you said you lose like half of it? Yeah. So I thought that was another really brilliant idea. Whereas in other games, if you don't collect it and you die before you manage to pick it up, it's it's gone forever. You could be saving up. You could be an idiot and not spending it like some people I know. Nobody in the podcast, I promise. <laughs> hey, bruh. Nobody, hey, nobody here, nobody here. Um, don't you, don't you, no, no, don't subtweet Kyle like that. <laughs> well, Kyle's played enough Damn. of these to really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, though, just those those types of things. Um, I think also, yes, they did make the bosses really difficult. But by doing that, I think it's a little bit more. You, you know, new. Uh, you know, people who haven't played these types of games before, if they do, you know, see Lies of P on Game Pass, they want to try it out. I think that's a good thing, that, a good incentive to keep them going is the fact that they don't have to suffer to just get back to a boss that's going to kill them like, you know, like like they're nothing. Like they're instead of being squashed, you know? <laughs> I will say, I think there are people that are going to download this from Game Pass. And as Kyle yeah. said with the difficulty, there are people that are going to download this from Game Pass. They're going to get their cheeks clapped one time and they're going to be like, you know... I don't think so. <laughs> like, yeah, this isn't like, for me. I'm going to go back to Animal Crossing. <laughs> you know, I think I'm just going to go play Hi-Fi Rush or Starfield. Um, like, Let me go play something that's got a difficulty setting. Um, I think that you're right that the quality of life and the different things that the developers uh, put into this game, one, I think the number of stargazers in just about every chapter is spot on perfect. The amount of them is perfect. There's not too many. There's not too few. I did think in chapter 11 when there, I think there's like 10 stargazers in total. Nothing like that. That's a bit much. That's a bit much. There's a lot of them, but I also think they were placed fairly evenly. Chapter 11 is one of the longest levels of the game. So I do think that that's pretty fair. I also wanted to Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add, I also appreciate the shortcuts, the number of shortcuts to the stargazers, I think was another fantastic addition you jogged my memory matt i'm glad you cut me off so there were people that complained <laughs> about this game being too linear and i did not feel that at all i felt like it was linear sure but i feel like every level was pretty expansive i like that was it on the level of dark souls no but it's neo is his first game like i thought the level design was great i loved it personally from start to i thought like one of the biggest and kyle you remember this one of the biggest oh wow moments for me was you could find the gold coin fruit uh, tree after the Black Rabbit first Black Rabbit Brotherhood fight, and you find out that this whole time you feel like you've been going further away from the hotel. You've just been making one big loop back to it. Yeah, that was. And cool. I like that. Like that to me was a cool like oh holy shit moment. Like I'm right back where I thought yeah. I was. Like it was really that, well done. That to me was cool. I enjoyed that. Um, I do think that. In terms of the story, and there is a lot that I like about the story, I think the thing that excites me the most, if I'm being honest with the two of you, is where their next game looks like it's going. So we gave you all a spoiler alert. Matt, we've talked about the end credit scene with you, right? Yes, we have. I, I know about it. Yep. Okay, so I'm not about to spoil this for you. Okay, good. Oh. Um, well, 
if Pinocchio, if Gothic Pinocchio sounded cool, Gothic Wizard of Oz sounds pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like something I will be picking up day one. Yeah, I'm here for it. When that launches. Um, and it looks like it might take place within the same universe and within the same setting of Krat as Lies of P did. Because we see Dorothy at the end, or we see at least her legs walking along just the top of a building, along a rooftop. And then we see her looking at the Hotel Krat sign and we see her click her heels three times. And we all know what that means. So, or at least everyone understands that reference from the story of the Wizard of Oz. Kyle might not. I don't know. He hadn't told me, but I don't yeah, know. I do. Okay, good. I'm just making sure. I, I give you most of the time. I give you the benefit of the doubt that I believe you're intelligent. We may not all have <laughs> I give you the benefit of the doubt. I just didn't want to assume improperly. This time. So, <laughs> it's just because we thought you had a really bad childhood growing yeah. <laughs> up. His parents didn't let him watch Wizard of Oz and had witches. <laughs> <laughs> but I am really intrigued um, by that as a follow-up. Do you guys... I, I don't think we're getting it anytime soon. But if you guys could talk to NeoWiz devs right now, what is something that you would... What's the first thing you would tell them of, hey, in your next game, do this instead of how... Instead of the way you did this in Liza P... Do it differently in in Wizard of in the Wizard of Oz game. What's the first thing you would like for them to do differently, Kyle? You go first. I would say, do not give every boss a second health bar. Honestly, you can give me more bosses if you don't give them all second phases. I'm fine with more bosses. I thought the amount of bosses in this game was fine, but you want to give me more? That's cool. Do not give them a second health bar. I don't think every single one needs it. I think that if you just want to give it to a a few here and there, that's fine. You know, every single boss, way too much. Matt, what about you? Oh, I was going to say turn it into a farming simulator. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, that's going to do it for this um, episode of Side Mission. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, honestly, just because, like, this is the first day game they've ever developed, to, to my knowledge. Um, I would say that, honestly, what they did here was was incredible, it was fantastic, and just kind of keep that going. But I, I want to see more integration with just, like, I, I want to see more, like, uh, what, is it, what is it, like, collecting? I want to see more stuff like more collectibles okay more collectibles yeah i'd like to see that just something that expands things a little bit more not just you know with, with the story the characters but just something that like you know kind of just fleshes off its own you know you know maybe because we in this one we, we do have side quests but i want to see more more of those i want to see more side quests i i just really enjoy side quests <laughs> I well, I get that because the side quests in this game are good. Like Kyle, you told me about yeah. that Alina side quest, and it's a very short side quest, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I liked the story implications behind it. I I thought it was again just really unique. It's a really short story, but I like it. Uh, me personally, the biggest thing I've said, and I think Kyle nailed it. Bosses, they don't all need to do status effects. They don't all need to have two health bars. Balance them a little bit better, and you'll be fine. If there's gonna be a perfect guard mechanic. Make that window a little bit more forgiving. Like by half a second, you do it by half a second, it this becomes a much more manageable game, I think. Now, we did throw a lot of criticism at this game. I think justifiably so. A lot of what we said was pretty fair critique. I love this game, though. And I think Lies of P is the best Souls-like that currently exists. Now, keep in mind, Lords of the Fallen, at the time of recording, drops in just about 26 hours. Uh, at least for me and Kyle. For Matt, it never drops because he's not playing it. Um, but I really do... I don't know that 
and uh, and uh, we're gonna have a faithful listener of this of this podcast, Tomothy. We're gonna have him tell me that I'm wrong when he hears this later. I don't know that I see Lords of the Fallen topping Lies of P. I feel like Lies of P across the board is just a really tough game to follow up in the Souls like genre. Um, but it's absolutely as far as games right now. If Lords of the Fallen is better, Lords of the Fallen is better, and I'll say that. But Lies of P is just an incredible Souls-like. I'd, I'd give it about an 8.5. I think you both are probably around around an 8, right around that same score. Um, but it's a really good game. Before we go, favorite boss. I know that me and Matt have the same one, so Kyle, I'll let you go first. That's hard. It's um, pretty difficult. Yeah, I, I, liked a, I liked a lot we of might, bosses. We might all three have the same boss, depending on who Kyle says here. <laughs> Honestly... I want to say Loxasia just because of her design, okay. but yeah, her fight awesome. pissed me off, <laughs> so I'm not going to say that. I'm going to have to say Simon Manus. Simon Manus, because really? his second phase cutscene was great. that was awesome. That shit was cool, and honestly, uh, he wasn't super say... hard for me. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Matt. Uh, no, I just want to say one thing in that cutscene that I really liked, and Russ, you were in the party with me when uh, it happened. I liked, so he's called God Hand in this. I liked the little nod to the uh, Adam and God touching fingers por- portrait. Mm-hmm. If you know what I'm talking about. I, I mean, I saw that just immediately. I thought, okay, that's pretty clever. <laughs> no, it was a pretty cool nod. I agree. Well, Matt, I mean, I'll just go ahead and, you know, there's yeah, no hiding yeah. who the two of us liked. I mean, we were both, <laughs> we were both massive fans of the yes. King of Puppets fight. Yes. So I, I think that a lot of why I liked that fight is a lot of what you said in that it, it does feel like two different fights. The first fight is against a gigantic mechanical puppet that is being controlled, and the second phase, the second health bar of the fight is you're fighting against the controller of the first phase, and he's yes. much more nimble, he's much faster, does a lot more damage. His name's Romeo. There's the story implications as he is Carlo's, you know, a you know, former best friend, and that's who you're modeled yes. after, Geppetto's son, Carlo. And I think the cool part that I like, and I really like this as a detail, in New Game Plus, all of the subtitles that you couldn't understand in New Game, they are all fully translated in English in New Game Plus, so you can oh, fully understand. Awesome. You can fully understand what a lot of these bosses that you couldn't understand at first, you can understand what they're saying now. And it's just, it's those little details, man. That's why I love that fight, because the story implications added so much. Matt, why did you like that fight? To be honest with you, it's like, so the first phase is, he's he's a lot, he's much easier than, this, than the second fight with Romeo. I'm, I I like the setting of it. You're basically in this giant kind of like, you know. Um, opera house, yeah. Opera house, and I, th- I thought the setting was fantastic. Uh, I didn't think that he was too difficult. I liked, you know, he, he was a good test if you're dodging, to be honest with you, whereas Romeo was a good test if you're blocking. So they each kind of like yin and yang that in a way. So I, I thought that was brilliant. Plus, I love the fact that after you beat him, there's a little bit of a change that's going on and the puppets basically lose their master and they don't know what to do. So they're just kind of sitting around doing nothing. And I thought that was kind of like uh, a, a really smart like choice to do, especially when you got someone called King of the Puppets and you just killed him. You're like... Or what could possibly come next, you know? Well, I think what I liked also about that is that that was kind of this moment. I liked how this game did things similar to several Souls games where yes. most of these Souls games, like, the goal is, like, you've got four different places you need to go. There's four big bads you need to topple them. When you've done that, you know, you can get to the end game stuff. 
Well, this one kind of subverts that expectation a little bit in that the first four areas you go, so Elysian Boulevard, uh, Vanini Works, uh, the St. Uh, Frangelico Cathedral, and the Malum District, those are the, we hear a lot about those four areas early in the game. And then you've, and along with, um, along with Rosa Isabel Street, we hear a lot about these areas. Well, then it turns out, hey, Cross Central Station, where you started, that's a big area as well. You got some stuff you got to take care of there. The Barren Swamp, you got some stuff to take care of there. The Grand Exhibition, which in my opinion is the best level in the game, is incredibly well designed. Uh, you you know, there's some important stuff there as well. So I liked that, that again, you're given a goal early, and then instead of it being, okay, after this goal, you go on to the end game, you find out, oh, this is a lot more expansive than that. There's a lot more issues going on. Because it felt like when you got to the King of the Puppets fight, it almost felt like you were building up to something that was in-game level until you realize that you're only about halfway through the game. And that's only because, Kyle, you told me there were 11 chapters. I loved that because it never occurred to me when I was playing through Rosa Isabel Street and working my way to the Opera House for the King of Puppets fight, never really hit me of, wait a minute, I'm only like halfway through the game. There's no way this is it. And of course, everything builds from there. So I guess I just loved that as well. I thought the King of Puppets fight was great. I am with Kyle that I liked Loxasia's fight after I figured it out a little bit more. The problem is, it did make me very angry, and I'm not going to run from that. I don't run. I'm not. I'm not running from the fact that this game made me rage like a little bitch at certain points. Um, but I thought her boss fight was great. And again, I want to give some love to the Nameless Puppet on New Game. The Nameless Puppet on New Game is a phenomenal fight. I loved that fight. So. Fellas, is there anything we're missing before we wrap this up? Do we feel like we've touched on everything, Liza P? Are there any closing remarks that either, either of you want to make? I, I, I'm good. <laughs> that was so that was anticlimactic as all fun. <laughs> all right, guys, one more thing. Go ahead. No. <laughs> uh, thanks for putting it on Game Pass so broke motherfuckers like me can play <laughs> Hey, listen, if you play this game on Game Pass, just know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> just know this game ain't easy. It ain't for the faint of heart. Uh, but Liza P, fantastic game. Absolutely loved it. I know all, thing, all three of us can agree. Really, really damn good game. Will it be a Game of the Year finalist? I don't know. We'll have to see, but it was a damn good game. So that is going to wrap up this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Side Mission Pod. You can check us out on Facebook as well, at Side Mission Podcast. For the fellow puppets, because this game just threw that word around like it was a racial slur. Um, for the boys, for Kyle, for Matt, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.